Hello and welcome to One Digital's COVID-19 Employer Advisory Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to provide business leaders with the latest commentary on evolving business and economic news that impacts healthcare, business, and the workplace. In each episode, our One Digital advisors will be addressing evolving coronavirus situations, translating them for employers so they can be proactive for their organizations and develop their business planning strategies. Hi there. Welcome to today's COVID-19 Small Employer Advisory Sessions. My name is Ray Daniels, and I'm the Marketing Director for Enterprise here at One Digital. Before we begin, on behalf of the more than 2,000 employees of One Digital, I want you to know how much we truly appreciate the time and energy you are investing with us today. These are challenging times for all of us, and we know that your time is at a premium. Our thoughts and prayers are with you and your families. Together, we have an opportunity to alleviate some of this uncertainty for your employees and for your business. As a company, we believe that one of our most important responsibilities is to help you and your organization navigate this unprecedented crisis. Please keep in mind that questions specific to state laws are best directed to your one digital consultant, as regulations vary by state and are changing rapidly. Also, in response to customer feedback in an interest in the ongoing series, The COVID-19 employer advisory sessions are now offered as an on-demand experience. No more waiting for live sessions twice a week. You'll now have access to the information and guidance translated by One Digital Thought leaders in response to the latest developments in an ongoing basis. Today, I want to welcome several One to One Digital team. First up is One Digital Senior Vice President of Regulatory Affairs and Reform Initiatives, Annette Bechtold, and One Digital's Vice President of Small Business Client Services, Cami Boyd, as well as One Digital's Business Development Consultant, Matt No. Annette is a subject matter expert on the various topics we will cover today, and Cami and Matt are small business experts who will break down what it means for you. To begin, I just have to say what an interesting several weeks it has been since COVID-19 really turned our world upside down. It has just been four weeks since many of us were told to stay at home and businesses began to dramatically change operations. Two weeks since the federal government passed the Omnibus Cares Bill Act and just one week since the Paycheck Protection Program loans became available. So much has happened and has happened so fast, it is stunning. While we are hearing every day from our clients about how much they appreciate the information developed by our team and shared, we realize that many of you are still working to modify and adapt your business strategy to match your current situations. To get us started, I want to ask us to think on the following as it relates to your business today. These are some questions that our clients are asking us, and we feel it's important to help understand where you are and potentially what immediate actions that you should take or next steps you should consider. First, what do you need for your business today? What is the state of your business today? We have questions to think about is, is your business considered essential or non-essential? What does your business need financially to operate? And what do you want to happen for your business during this time? Is that even possible right now? Benefits, HR, and compliance, all are important. What's the new normal? Is this a permanent change or just a temporary change? Now think about your employees. What type of experience do you want for your employees? How do you, I make sure my employees are taken care of? What's the best way to do that? In balancing the new normal, in what ways can I help my employees survive and thrive? 
in helping my employees with financial stability? What are my best options? When should I bring my employees back? And are there ways to take advantage of the current environment to build a stronger workforce? Based on these conversations we've had with our clients, we, we feel um, we have categorized, be able to categorize several different scenarios in which you might find yourself in your business today. The first area is a business that is significantly challenged, where the actions you might need to take are urgent and somewhat important today to continue to keep your business moving. Secondly, there are businesses that are simply just affected by this. So the actions you might need to take are somewhat urgent, but also require that you uh, think about looking at the future to sustain the business that you have. Then there are other businesses that are minimally affected and actually thriving during these particular times. What do you need to do to help sustain your business and prepare it for the future? To get now to looking at these scenarios, I wanna to turn to our panelists and kind of expand on these scenarios and offer you real practical advice on what to do. First, let's start with Cammie. Cammie, can you, can you explain a little bit more about what do these scenarios mean? Right, for those employers that are significantly challenged businesses or those that are struggling to remain in operation where access to financial help and resources is an immediate and dire need. For those that are affected businesses, or those are employers that have initiated cost reduction strategies such as furloughing or employee layoffs to preserve cash and minimize expense to keep their doors open. For those businesses that are surviving or even growing amid the crisis or those that have not experienced any business interruption or needed access to financial help or have had to take extreme cost-cutting measures like furloughing or laying off employees. Yeah, wow. That was really informative. Thank you for sharing that. Now, as we think about those three scenarios, how about we dive in first to the businesses that we feel are significantly challenged? Kimi and Annette, um, I want to ask you both, what are some options that we have right now to help these businesses? So the first thing I think, Ray, that comes to mind now, let's is... let's start with you. Okay, so the first thing that comes to mind is um, the... Paycheck Protection Program. So that's the most popular now. Those loans started coming out from the Small Business Administration Division of the federal government on the 3rd and then um, for some groups and then on the 10th of April here uh, just last Friday for self-employed and independent contractors. But small businesses, meaning to the government, meaning those with 500 or fewer employees, some nonprofits and um, uh, some additional businesses have access to these loans. So the federal government uh, set aside $349 billion as part of the CARES Act or that third stimulus package. And so this, the purpose really is to keep people working. So it's keeping your employees working. And so what it does is it allows um, some ready cash to um, help employers kind of bridge this time frame during this COVID crisis where people like you were saying are, are at home and not able to work or working, maybe teleworking or reduced hours, just kind of filling the gap. And so it allows employers to take a loan out for two and a half times, whatever their average monthly payroll is and 
whatever they pay in that first week, the first eight weeks of the loan is forgiven. So it's not something that has to be paid back. Now, there are some stipulations and some things that could reduce that amount. But for the most part, it gives some good um, a good loan option for a, a finite amount of money. And anything that isn't used in that first eight weeks is turned into a really favorable loan that's uh, 1% interest for two years. So I think that's the first thing. Um, I know there's a bunch of others too. Cami, what jumps into your head? Yeah, well, there is additional relief for employers that um, includes an expansion of an existing program that small business employers have been able to take advantage of in the past. It's referred to as the economic injury disaster loan. Now, a little bit of insight into this program, this loan um, in order to qualify for it, you must have suffered substantial economic injury and be located in a presidentially declared disaster area. And as many of you probably already know, on March the 13th, 2020, the president issued an emergency declaration declaring the entire country a disaster area. Virtually any small business in the United States can consider applying for this loan. Program expansion due to the CARES Act include more favorable loan terms, such as lower interest rates and longer terms, as well as expanded eligibility, so employers with 500 employees or less can apply. For those of you that are thinking about, what if I need money today? Or what if my disaster loan is ultimately denied? What can I do? You can ask the Small Business Administration for an emergency grant advance up to $10,000. And what's really neat about this is the grant money does not have to be repaid. The SBA is reporting as well that applicants can get this money in as quick as three days. So for anybody that's interested in applying, simply go to the Small Business Administration's website at www.sba.gov and you'll find the online application there. Yeah, and that's a great thing. And they actually work together, even if you, uh, the employers um, decide to get the Paycheck Protection Program, they can roll any uh, any loan, any of the uh, disaster recovery loans into it at the better interest rate. Now, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there, Kimmy, about, oh, maybe we're running out of money. There might not be a lot in these programs left. Um, and that could be very, very well be true that there was a finite amount of money. There's lots of people applying for it and they're looking at a kind of a stimulus package three and a half to, to maybe infuse another 250 billion. But in the, in the interim, there's other things that are available that aren't, that aren't hinged to these loans. And I think um, the one in the CARES Act that I think is also a good deal and applies to any, um, size group. So it's not just for small, it's any size business is this employee retention. And so if you find that your business is, uh, the operation is fully or partially suspended due to a COVID related shutdown, um, or you find your gross receipts are declining by more than 50%, um, it, it allows you to take today to, to, take a tax credit of up to 50% of the first 10,000 for each one of your employees for wages that you pay between March 13th and the end of the year, this December 31st. So that means that I don't have to remit that amount to 
to the IRS, I can keep it as operating cash today and then just report on it on my quarterly taxes. So there's something that you can use today. Now, it cannot be used if you if you have already been granted a Paycheck Protection Program loan. But otherwise, this is a good option for uh holding back a little bit of uh, your normal quarterly taxes and having some operating cash. Another option to what Nanette has just outlined is a program that's designed to encourage employers to keep employees on their payroll that have experienced a significant decline in gross receipts despite the economic hardship related to COVID-19 is called or referred to as the Employee Retention Tax Credit. It's, a fully, refund, it's fully refundable for employers and applies to qualified wages paid after March 12, 2020 and before January 1, 2021. So for example, if an eligible employer pays $10,000 in qualified wages to an employee in Q2 of 2020, the employee retention credit available to the employer for the qualified wages paid to the employee is $5,000. Additional insight you might want to know about is that eligible employers were able to claim the credit for the qualified wages paid as early as March 13th this year. So reporting is easy. Employers simply report their total qualified wages and related credits for each quarter for each calendar quarter on their federal employer's quarterly federal tax return, also known as Form 941. Now, the one thing I do want to make sure and point out is an eligible employer may not receive the employee retention credit if they receive a loan under the Paycheck Protection Program. And conversely, an employer that receives a Paycheck Protection Loan should not claim employee retention credits. Exactly. Um, there, there are also uh, some other things to consider too, and some other areas that are affecting the employees and employers right now. And that's really, you know, we've been talking about methodologies for keeping employees, but there are those who are in the who've been impacted who are having to make some decisions about: Do I lay off? Do I furlough my employees? What does this mean? How does that? interact with my benefits. Um, so I'm, I'm going to take a minute and just kind of define layoff versus furlough. And then Cammie, maybe you can jump in with talking about how the benefits um, kind of run with that and what some of the carriers are doing to help out in there too. But when, uh, when we're thinking about layoff and furlough, those terms get confused quite a bit, but it really all comes down to what is my ongoing relationship with my employee? If I'm laying them off, I'm terminating that, that employment relationship. So we don't have a relationship going forward. Um, if I'm furloughing, I'm doing a temporary hiatus where they're not working, um, but they're still going to be considered my employees. So that creates some different obligations, some different responsibilities. And it really is all about, you know, what do you want to do in there once somebody's furloughed? Now, um, both furlough and termination, the normal way, way wages would be paid is through unemployment. 
However, we find some employers who are saying, no, I'm going to keep paying them because I have these opportunities with some of these loan programs to, to be reimbursed for the wages I'm paying. So I'm actually going to furlough them. I don't have work for them, but I'm going to keep paying them, get the credit, and also keep their benefits running. Um, so others are saying, look, I'm going to let people go get their wages through unemployment because I don't have work for them to do, but I'm going to keep their benefits running um, so that I, they're, um, those employees are still tied to me and to our program because we all need the, the health insurance at this particular time. So there's a, it, there's a lot of considerations for these employers, and these are things we can help you with when you're terminating individuals, are they truly terminated? Do you have to continue their benefits? There might be reasons to do that under COBRA or state continuation if you have other people that are still actively working. Um, or maybe there, you have variable hour people under the Affordable Care Act that are in their stability period who you can't take off because they're, um, they're, they have reduced hours. So there's a whole bunch of considerations and we can help you through that. But I just mentioned that because there are a lot of businesses doing different creative things that we haven't seen before with trying to retain all, some, or none of their workforce in many different ways. So I know that the carriers are kind of um, responding and trying to help on that health front, right, Kimmy? Yeah, absolutely. You know, as COVID-19 has triggered layoffs and furloughs spread, as Annette has alluded to, access to cash for many employers and employees may be low or non-existent. Some states have begun mandating that insurance issuers or carriers provide a longer grace period for premium payments that keeps cash in employers and employees' hands. These measures ensure also that participants can remain covered and have access to health care coverage during this public health emergency. In some instances, carriers are reinforcing a 60-day grace period on the cancellation of insurance policies for non-payment of premiums. In addition, you've got other carriers that may require policyholders to reach out to the carrier to request an extension because it's not automatic. Because state rules may vary, it's important to contact your One Digital Consultant for more information related to your state, or you can reach out to the Department of Insurance within your state for more details. Great. Well, those are some great options. Thank you both for really laying that out for our, our, our customers here today. Um, Let's, th let's think about this a little differently. Now, what if you're a business, you know, shifting gears, what if you're a business that's somewhat affected, kind of in the middle, and what other benefits and cost saving strategies can our customers consider? Now, Annette and Cammie, I'm going to turn it back to you, but I also want to bring in Matt to discuss as well. Matt, let's start with you. Um, talk to me a little bit about what are some of the alternative medical plan strategies and things that we have available for our, our customers and things they should consider. Well, Ray, you can certainly see a number of them on the screen, but, you know, we're kind of in unprecedented times right now with a lot of employers are kind of struggling with what to do with health insurance. And it's really one component of everything that's, that's going on related to COVID-19. But when you stop and look at certain unique strategies and unique perspectives that employers are taking, it kind of goes back to at the beginning of the Affordable Care Act and looking at all the unique strategies that came out during that period, which 
for a lot of employers ended up being very challenged uh, as well. So again, through, through adversity, there is opportunity to look toward a different path to keep employees whole as much as you can during, um, during a time when there's decreased work and decreased monies available and uh, a non-essential business is being closed. Um, we're, we already recognize that there's a large increase already of the number of uninsureds um, that are, that are uh, filing into America now that, that previously had coverage. So it's how, what do we do to help that population of employee? So we kind of go back again and we look back to look to the past to, to potentially give you options to the future. So you can go back and look toward MEC plans or minimum essential coverage plans, which are really low cost, low coverage options, but they're there to help employees. Um, you also have low cost medical plans, which are, are plans that are really focused on outpatient benefits um, and being kind of a bridge to when an employer can get back to getting the employee traditional major medical. Um, level funded plans have started to become very popular uh, beginning uh, last year. Uh, again, a level funded plan is a, is a, a is a type of self-funded plan that allows an employer to max fund a premium um, and um, a potentially share in underwriting profits if underwriting profits are available. But then you have all the other traditional coverages like uh, ICRA plans, individual coverage health reimbursement arrangements, um, which started January 1 of this year uh, as an expansion to the QSERA type of option, which is qualified small employer reimbursement arrangements, which started in 2018 under the Trump administration. Um, you have high deductible health plans uh, that come into play. So, uh, Cami, you, you want to talk a little bit more about high deductible health plans and how they may fit into a particular strategy? Yeah, sure, Matt. Thank you. High deductible health plans have been around. They are a type of a health plan and are a popular alternative to traditional health plans. And there's no question that this growth uh, in terms of the number of employers that are looking and have implemented HDHPs is in part due to higher health care costs. The higher deductibles usually mean lower premiums for small businesses trying to find ways to cut costs and save. In return, plan participants are expected to pay more out of pocket to help balance the added out-of-pocket costs, combining a health savings account or HSA with a high deductible health plan can generate tax savings for not only the employer, but also the employee. An HSA allows a high deductible health plan participant to save pre-tax dollars to pay for qualified medical expenses, which can help to offset the costs accrued from high deductibles and co-pays. And, High deductible health plans still offer basic preventative services such as annual checkups, vac vaccines, and generic prescriptions. If, the one thing that I'd like to point out though, if this is a direction that you'd like to head or are interested in, it's important that you make sure that you offer education to your employees on how to take a proactive role in choosing health care providers and how to best save. Okay, great. What about these? Now, switching gears, what are some other options, Cami? I mean, we, we, what about spousal carve-outs and other uh, surcharges, things like that that may be a benefit for, for our customers? Yeah, this is, this is another option that's great to consider. It's, it's an option that's been around for years that, for the most part, larger employers have taken advantage of, but it's also an option that smaller employers can consider, too. Spousal carve-outs and spousal surcharges have become more common after the Affordable Care Act provided a mechanism to make coverage available 
for spouses through the marketplace. You know, these options offer a means to control health care expenses for employers. Spousal carve-outs specifically mean an employer will not offer spousal coverage to spouses who have group health coverage available through their employer. In terms of spousal surcharges, spouses who are offered health coverage, even though they have other employer coverage available and choose not to elect it, a surcharge can be can be applied. At the end of the day, the surcharge is used to encourage spouses to enroll in health coverage available through their employer. Alternatively, employers may offer a monetary award for spouses not enrolling in the health plan. Any monetary awards, however, should be provided for under the cafeteria plan and on a taxable basis. Now, one thing I do want to make sure and point out that in some states there may be laws that prohibit spousal carve-outs or surcharges or preclude their, their use. So because state rules may vary, it's important to make sure that you contact your one digital consultant for more information or the Department of Insurance in your state. Now, going back to another question that we, we alluded to earlier, what about, you know, maybe ask Annette this question, what about individual marketplace for coverage versus COBRA? How does that play into this, uh, this equation? Well, I think there's a couple of things um, for employers. I mean, when you're talking about, first of all, continuation in the individual marketplace, um, those are two different solutions. So what are your employees doing? Are they staying on your health plan and staying in the group plan? Are you reducing their hours um, or terminating them? Um, either temporarily or, or fully from the health plan because they've, they've lost their eligibility. So when you're looking at what you have to offer them, if you are, if you are keeping employees active on the plan, then your continuation rules will apply. So if you're 20 or more employees, you're governed by COBRA, which says if somebody terminates, you you need to continue uh, offer continuation of that health plan as if they were an active person for a period of time. So you would have to offer COBRA to them. Doesn't mean they have to take it, but it has to be offered. And individual states also have state continuation provisions that are similar to COBRA. Sometimes they call them mini COBRA for under um, uh, employers who are under 20 employees. So if you've reduced benefits, they're no longer eligible, or you've, you're terminating, COBRA will apply if you're a COBRA group, or state continuation may apply, but that'll vary state by state. So the, the issue here is the cost. So the employee has to foot the cost of that continuation, but they have choices. Do they take continuation do they elect that or do they go to the marketplace and purchase their own coverage? And so in, in that vein, um, education's got key to the employee to let the employees know you have choices. So here are all the things available to you. You can either continue under this plan, you can go to the marketplace um, and enroll in coverage, and you may be eligible for a subsidy for help on premium in the marketplace. And so that might be a better deal for you. Or maybe um, you want to go to the private market, you're not eligible for a subsidy, but 
you have a choice, an array of all different kinds of plants at all different price points where I'm just going to offer you this one continuation. So I think the, the key is really giving the employees choice, understanding what they have so that they're not always thinking they only have that one option, especially if you're wanting to take care of them so they can do what makes sense for them, them and their family. Okay, great. Those are, thank you for that. And thank you. I mean, this, these are all good options. I mean, one thing uh, for our viewers to bear in mind is that, is that everything we did, we discussed is applicable to any business. It just depends on, as I remind you, the situation you find yourself in. I mean, we strongly encourage you to consider these options and how they may uniquely fit your business. In addition, uh, strongly encourage you to please contact your one digital consultant to better understand how this may apply to you and what is the best fit solution for you. Um, now that we've talked a little bit about businesses that are significantly impacted and those who are somewhat impacted and given some really good options there, what other additional options do, do customers have? And then let's start with you this time. What are some of the options that we may also consider for uh, cost savings and things like that? So there's a couple that come to mind. The first one um, that you're seeing here are eligibility audits. First of all, uh, from a cost savings standpoint, make sure you're not covering people who aren't even eligible for your plan. I mean, that's very basic, but it's, it's so true. Very often, we don't pay attention as, as an a dependent child too old and they should have been termed off the plan and we're still as an employer paying our portion for people who actually aren't eligible anymore. So doing a, an, a periodic audit to make sure that everyone who's on the plan should be on the plan and those who aren't are termed off the plan is really a great place to start. It sounds simple but um, but it doesn't matter what client we work with, they always find people that like, oh, they, they, they're not really eligible, part of the eligible class anymore, so we need to turn them off. Yeah, so that's a great place to begin. Now, thinking of that, that we go back to these contribution strategies, Matt, are there any additional things that we could consider for as it relates to contribution strategies that maybe we haven't covered yet? Yeah, certainly there definitely are. Um, you know, there's a couple things you have to keep in mind during the when you look at it, especially for a company that is either uh, minimally uh, affected or majorly affected. I mean, these kind of scenarios. But I think the, the the real key here is is also to take into account where do you stand as it as it as it uh, uh, as it applies to the Affordable Care Act, um, because there are penalties associated with the Affordable Care Act that can change the way uh, you think about your contribution strategy and how important are those penalties related uh, to your business and whether or not you even apply uh, or qualify under the Affordable Care Act um, as a, an applicable large employer. Um, but the obvious one is that, you know, you can increase the employee contribution. Uh, now, you still have to stay under the affordability test. So if the ACA is a really big uh a really big piece to you and a really big piece that you have to solve, you know, you've, you've got to take into account what the affordability test is and making sure that the employees aren't contributing more than, than what's allowable by law uh, or else that you're still applicable to the B penalty for anybody that goes and gets a subsidy. Um, but what we're starting to see is a lot of employers looking to moving to low-cost medical plans. And when I say low-cost medical plans, I'm not necessarily referring to MEC plans, which 
in 2013, MEC plans were a fantastic solution in 13, 14, 15 to solving an employer problem for the Affordable Care Act, but they were never really designed to be an employee-facing uh, solution. And so what we're starting to see is a lot of employers that had those old MEC plans um, starting to move away from those because they're not providing enough robust coverage for an employee. So what they're starting to look at now is more of the low-cost medical options and being able to say, hey, I've got a traditional major medical plan. It may be a high-deductible plan. It may not be a high-deductible plan, but the premium costs are at a point where with the affordability test, the employers having to pay a large chunk of that premium. Well, in these day and age, a large chunk of premium is cash flow. So what can you do to bridge that gap um, is looking toward the low cost medical options, options that have a very uh, high focus on outpatient services where the premium can be a fraction of the premium to, uh, uh, to traditional medical and use it as an opportunity for the next 12 to 18 months to get themselves back to a cash flow uh, place where they can provide more robust coverage to an employee. Um, and then you've got your, your traditional coverage on, you know, if, 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 you, if the penalties are an issue and you start weighing the financial option, um, then you need to start looking at the contribution you're making to a major medical plan and determining, is my contribution more or less than what the penalty would be if I, in fact, went to a low-wage or a low-cost medical plan and then turned around and had to pay the penalty on somebody that might need more robust coverage than I can provide as an employer. So I think you have to take all of those things into account um, on a more consultative basis in your particular situation to determine what plan makes the most sense, what strategy makes the most sense, and how much cash flow do I need during this period of time and how long do I need it? And what are my options available to solve that problem? You know, Matt, when I was, uh, as I was listening to you talk about that, I think one of the huge pieces today, if I like go back and think about when the Affordable Care Act first came out, I think the development of all these different options and products and alternatives is what's huge now. And so navigating all of this choice and maybe these creative solutions is a huge piece for employers. There's so many different options now than existed 10 years ago about what you can do and still be compliant and do all the things that are within your responsibility and then kind of weigh the pros and cons of the cash. One of the um, options that was on one of our previous slides here that we we kind of jumped over are the individual coverage HRAs. And that's another alternative here and kind of lends itself to exactly what you were talking about, uh, about saying, hey, look, I'm going to balance um, for some of my employees a traditional plan versus having some non-traditional plan um, or having no plan and just helping them pay for individual coverage, which is a brand new uh, piece that was developed as part of the president's executive order to expand health reimbursement arrangements. And back in June of 2019, final rules came out allowing employers for the first time to actually be able to set up a health reimbursement arrangement arrangement for some or just certain classes of their employees where they allow their employees to go out to the individual market, buy the coverage that makes sense for you, and I'll, I'll reimburse that cost. And that was prohibited by the Affordable Care Act in the past. And so this is another thing. And also, what about your working aged? So you have people that are on Medicare 
or could be on Medicare. And this solution can couple with those too, which has not happened before. So if you said my part-timers or a certain class of employees, I want to give traditional coverage to, and another one, I want to just reimburse their costs of, of purchasing their own that's now available as well. So there's this myriad of solutions, I think, which are really exciting now for employers and having, you know, that's where we can help you kind of navigate and understanding finances, just like you were saying, what's your financial situation? What do you want for your employees? What do they need from you? And helping you kind of navigate this this set of solutions that, that will work. Great. Thank you. Uh, one last thing I'd like us to touch on, because this is something that we've heard a lot about recently, is the advent of telemedicine. And that, could you just tell us a little bit about maybe why that would be a benefit as an option for for a business of any in any situation? Sure. So, so a couple of things. I think number one, from a cost perspective, seeing somebody in a televisit telemedicine visit is a lot less costly venue than going to the emergency room, than going to urgent care. Those are much more costly alternatives. This is a normal office visit type cost. Um, it also gives, so from a, a cost standpoint for your plan, that's much lower cost. So having people use telemedicine instead of running to urgent care or the emergency room is much preferred. The other thing is uh, for your employees from an experience standpoint, um, hopefully they're being guided to things they can do rather than seeking um, you know, a lot of treatment if they don't need it. And they can get quicker turnaround on, on seeing somebody and, and getting some things in place just to mitigate symptoms or whatever that they need to do or get their medication more quickly than waiting for an appointment to go someplace. Um, so there's a lot of great things. It's now, um, you know, through um, the CARES Act, it's being expanded. Um, it's being expanded, especially into Medicare, which was not done before, and coverage for that, and especially with COVID-19 testing, um, this has become a huge thing um, so that the healthcare professionals are able to see as many people as possible. So there's just a myriad of benefits that go with telemedicine medicine. Um, but definitely from your plan perspective, it's lower cost. Those are lower claim dollars coming out and much quicker turnaround time for, um, for people to seek treatment. And I think that's good. And especially during the shelter in place, it's probably the best alternative, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you for that. That was great. Um, that was a lot of information there today. I mean, I think when I look back at a lot of the options, we, we have a lot of things that we can provide for our, for our clients and for our employees, uh, the employees of our, uh, of our clients and our customers today. So I just want to kind of recap, you know, today, thank you everybody for, for sticking with us. You know, um, I just want to kind of recap a little bit about what we've learned, you know, uh, we know that the COVID-19 pandemic and the resulting economic fallout has had a significant impact on many people's business. Uh, as we said today, you may find yourself in one or more of the different scenarios we, we talked about. I, we do want you to know there are various strategies you can take to ensure your business stays sustainable and continuous and ongoing. And our goal, no matter what here is, as a team, is to ensure your business remains uh, resilient and thriving through this difficult time. Uh, I just want to thank everyone for your time and your attention today on this on this webinar. I do want to thank Annette, Cammie, and Matt. Thank you so much for the information you shared with us. 
we hope we've been able to provide actionable advice. Uh, and remember to our viewers, please contact your one digital consultant. These individuals can help you put what you heard today into action. Uh, now looking ahead, um, you know, now each employer advisory session will be available online. Please be sure to visit the Coronavirus Advisory Hub regularly. You can view the latest sessions translating the coronavirus situation for employers so they can be proactive in developing uh, business planning strategies. You can also find the sessions and additional employer resources at specific to small business at onedigital.com slash coronavirus slash small dash business. There's a small business section uh, dedicated to you, the small business employer that will hopefully help you with information that will uh, support you. And then finally, uh, talking about cost savings, we want to tune in, ask you to tune in and keep your eyes open for a future session with Matt No, where we'll be taking a deeper dive into some of these alternative medical strategies and really finding ways to help you uh, save costs and remain resilient throughout this time. So again, thank you for today on behalf of the entire team. We appreciate everything, your time and everything you're doing. We encourage you to please stay healthy, stay connected with your family, your friends, and your coworkers. And we'll all see you next time. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of One Digital's COVID-19 Employer Advisory Podcast. There's never been a time more than now during which our commitment to standing as one with our customers and providing peace of mind is more important. We are committed to providing the guidance you need to make complex decisions, even in the most challenging times. For additional resources, thought leadership, or for the latest employer information related to the COVID-19 pandemic, please visit onedigital.com forward slash coronavirus. Thank you.